Welcome to this week's edition of Ocean Allison, where I bring you the best in ocean science, education, and conservation through conversations with people who are creating positive change for the ocean. Ocean Advocate is Autumn Blum. Autumn is the founder of Stream to Sea, sunscreen and body care products that are safe for you as well as the ocean. Hi, Autumn. Welcome to the show. Hi, Allison. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah, very excited to have you on the show today to give our listeners a little bit of background on how Autumn is joining us today. About six months ago or so, I actually randomly got given a small sample of stream to sea sunscreen and I was using it and I really liked it. And then a few months ago, my friend Mugda, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago, you guys might remember her episode. She was talking about her work with Sustainable Coastlines Hawaii. Mugda and Autumn actually met each other at the 2016 Coral Reef Symposium in Hawaii. And Magda kind of e-introduced Autumn and I because she thought we might have a lot to talk about. And she was definitely right. And then I actually got to meet Autumn in person a few weeks ago at a ocean art event in Fort Lauderdale here in Florida. And we had a really great time talking. So I wanted to continue that conversation here on the podcast so that we could share, share with listeners. So Autumn, I want to start out by asking you to share where the inspiration came from to create products like these that are, you know, not only good for us, but good for the ocean animals that we all love. Where did that initial inspiration come from? Right on. Well, that's a great question, Allison. So I've been a water baby my whole life. Um, Like you, I live in Florida and I learned how to swim literally before I could walk. So I've always been playing in the water. I learned to scuba dive as a junior spend as much time in the ocean as I possibly can. My career to date, I spent in the natural products industry. I'm a cosmetic chemist, and I've been formulating products for sale in health food stores and Whole Foods, uh, worked with numerous brands out there, and I'd never really connected the two. I always assumed, like most people do, that if a product is safe for us, that it's also safe for our environment. And one day I read a study that talked a little bit more about the impact that some of these ingredients have on our ocean. Shortly after that, I was scuba diving in one of the most pristine destinations you can imagine. The coral was spectacular, and I'm coming up to my safety stop, and I look up, and I see this lovely rainbow coming off of this group of snorkelers. And as I was doing my safety stop, I realized that rainbow was an oil slick that was coming off of them, and it was from all of the sunscreen that they were using. Of course, I started obsessing about the ingredients that were in that oil slick, reading more about the ingredients learning that just because something's good for us does not mean that it's good for the oceans. And I started working on that. Um, That was a few years ago, and here we are today with a line of products that we're continuing to test to make sure it's safe for not only us, but our waters as well. That's awesome. I love that. Well, I I love and hate the image of this, you know, rainbow coming off of people snorkeling, and in reality it's really these toxic chemicals that are coming off of their body from the sunscreen that they're putting on to protect themselves and unknowingly harming the the animals in the ocean. So I I can only imagine how inspiring that was. And especially for you with your background in chemistry and cosmetics and things like that. So 
actually, before we get into the science behind your stream to see products, I would love for you to give listeners a little bit of background on your experience as a cosmetic chemist, your history kind of before you started stream to see, because when talking to you at this event that we met at, I, I was seriously impressed with your knowledge and experience in this field because you know, it's so foreign to me. I don't know anything about, you know, I very much disliked chemistry in school and I don't know anything about cosmetics, the making of them at least. And so, yeah, can you share with listeners a little bit of your background and experience in that field? Sure. I studied organic chemistry in college and I was actually headed to law school, but I took a one-year deferral and during that time I needed a job and I started working as a production manager for a cosmetic manufacturing company. And during that first year, I started looking at the formulations what actually goes into making a lotion and cream. It was a natural products company, fortunately for me. And I started learning about the power of different botanicals, you know, jojoba oil and tea tree oil and neem oil. And shortly after that, I started a company called Organic South, manufacturing a product line called Vera Neem. Um, neem was not an easy plant to work with. It, it smells like burnt garlic or nutty garlic but it's wonderful in oral care and skin care. So I, I had to learn how to work with this ingredient, put it into a natural base, and still make it something you wanted to either put in your mouth or smear on your face. So that it was definitely challenging. But through that process, I learned about organic standards. I learned about the natural standards, EcoCert, what's compliant for whole foods and different health food stores, and how to make um, aesthetically pleasing products as well. So I did that for 12 years before I sold the company. It's Nutraceutical Corporation worked for them for a few years. That was actually a wonderful experience as well, learning what it's like to work for a major corporation. Um, they have over a thousand employees, so that was completely different. And uh, during that time, I reconnected with the ocean. As an entrepreneur growing a small business, I didn't have a whole lot of time to play in the waters and do what I really wanted to be, I guess, disposable time and disposable income to go spend a lot of time scuba diving around the world. After I sold my business, I had a little bit more time to be able to do that. And that was when I reconnected with the ocean and the idea of the Stream to Sea came back to me. And eventually I, I wound up leaving my employee and started Stream to Sea. In getting into the science behind Stream to Sea products, obviously, like I kind of said in the intro, the products are twofold. They're good for us to put on our skin and on our bodies. And they're also good for the animals that live in the ocean. So I want to talk about how they're good for us as humans first. How is this sunscreen safe for us on kind of a chemical level? What does it mean that it's mineral-based and not chemical-based? What does it mean if a sunscreen's organic? You know, all these terms that are thrown out and put on packaging of sunscreens that we can buy. Can you enlighten us on why is this safe in comparison to other products out there? Sure, sure. Those are wonderful questions. So organic isn't necessarily always what you think of when you're talking about a sunscreen. So the organic sunscreen ingredients are actually the chemical sunscreens. So the oxybenzone, the octomethoxycinamate, the avobenzone, those ingredients are all um, considered organic sunscreens because they're carbon-based molecules. So you've got two types of sunscreens, as you mentioned. You've got a chemical sunscreen and a mineral sunscreen. Those are really the two differentiators in sunscreen in the world. A chemical sunscreen, you have to apply it on your skin about 15 minutes prior to exposure, so the chemicals have time to absorb into the fatty layers of your skin where they absorb the radiation, and then you filter them out. 
I personally don't like the idea of absorbing things into my body, so I prefer the mineral sunscreens that are intended to sit on top of your skin and reflect the UV radiation away from your body. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So what difference will consumers see in using a mineral-based sunscreen versus a chemical sunscreen? That's really important for people to understand. A chemical sunscreen applies more like what you're used to using. You know, it's like a body lotion. You put it on, it doesn't really have much of a residue, it doesn't leave much of a feel, but it does put these chemicals into your body, which have been shown to bioaccumulate within your systems, and you have to deal with that. The mineral sunscreens definitely work differently. They sit on top of your skin and reflect those UV rays. They are whitening. You will see them. Personally, I think that's a good thing. You can see where you've applied, where you haven't applied. The whitening usually fades pretty quickly. Like with ours, you see it on your skin, but within about 15 minutes or so, it fades pretty quickly. But you can still see it. You should see that mineral shimmer to make sure that it's there and it's working, especially after playing in the ocean. You want to be able to take a peek in the, in the mirror after a few hours and say, hey, do I need to reapply? That's a good thing. Or when you're putting it on your kids, you can see if you missed an area on their nose or on their cheeks or on their shoulder or back. You do want to see it. So some of them can be heavy and oily, or they can be lighter and non-greasy. We've tried to balance it. Mineral sunscreens spread better with some oil in it, which is why you see a lot of the mineral sunscreens that are purely oil-based formulations. I wouldn't use them growing up because they would give me acne. I would break out. So I just chose not to use sunscreens, which is not the right choice either. Uh, I, I definitely advocate wearing sunscreen. But there's a balance in the formulation technique between the right amount of oil and the right amount of water to not make the product heavy or feel greasy. I believe that ours is ideally formulated to where it spreads well, it still holds, and it's not really whitening. Beyond the benefits that it has to ourselves when we put the sunscreen on, it might look a little different or the texture is a little different, but it's really acting as a protective layer and not letting those chemicals soak into our body, which we then have to process. Beyond those benefits, which are absolutely amazing, uh, in my opinion, you have really taken your stream to see products to the next level. You have made them safe for marine life. And you've done this in a really incredible way. You have worked with institutions like Moat Marine Lab and Eckerd College, scientists there that study marine life. So I want to ask you to explain to listeners a bit, and, and myself even more so, what research have you done with your collaborators at these types of institutions on the effects of your products and other products on ocean animals? That was the key differentiator for me when we first started the line. I've been adamantly against animal testing my entire career. I was one of the first signers for the campaign against safe cosmetics. I think if you're formulating a new eyeshadow or makeup, there's enough studies out there. There's, um, there's tissue cultures that you can do in the lab that show that they're not going to harm our eyes or our skin. For the aquatic environment, there's no standards. There's no studies out there that show what's going to be safe for an animal that we can easily do in the lab today. So I thought it was really important to actually do some of these studies. How is the sunscreen, the finished product, going to affect coral, coral larva? How's it going to affect the fish? How's it going to affect the development or the fish behavior? The fish behavior is a study that we just completed, and I'm actually really excited about that one. Uh, when we first started the aquatic toxicity trials, comparing our products to some of the other conventional sunscreens that are biodegradable but contain these organic 
chemical sunscreen ingredients, the mortality, the initial mortality was not as high as what I had expected, but the behavioral changes, the developmental changes were extreme. To summarize some of the results, we did 10 milligrams per liter to 100 milligrams per liter, which is a pretty small concentration of our sunscreen and a competitor's sunscreen. After three hours, our fish were behaving properly. After three hours, the competitor's fish were completely disinterested in food. They were swimming erratically. The results continued for 96 hours, which was the end of the test. So at 96 hours, our fish were largely unaffected, whereas the chemical sunscreen fish were, they weren't floating upside down in the tank, but they sure as heck weren't happy. They were disinterested in food. They weren't swimming properly. I wanted to get them out of the tank immediately. So those are the types of studies we've been doing. We've also done it on coral larvae, which that was a big deal for us. It's not easy to get your hands in a, in a lab setting on coral larvae. You have to do it just you know, when the coral spawns, so it's, it's specific to a time of year. We did it last May before we launched our product line, and we tested our mineral sunscreen against several other chemical sunscreens and another mineral sunscreen. And we found that ours largely did not affect the settlement, which is basically what's required for the coral larva to reproduce, whereas the chemical sunscreens, they, it just didn't replicate. So what that means in our world is it may not kill the live coral, but when the coral spawns, it's going to make it much more difficult for our coral reefs to regenerate, to continue to grow like they're supposed to. And as you know, Allison, the studies are out there showing that in a lot of these very popular reef destinations, like in Hawaii and the Virgin Islands and the Keys, there is a lot of oxybenzone in these chemicals in the water. There's enough to stop this reproduction, to stop the healthy growth of our reefs. What about sunscreens that have been on the market for a number of years, really, that have this label on them that says reef safe? What does that mean, and how how is Stream to See different than that? Obviously, you just explained this amazing research that you've gone through to prove that Stream to See really is safe to reef animals. What does reef safe mean, and, and why are they actually not reef safe? I have a hard time with the terminology reef safe. We don't say it on our packaging, much to the uh, dislike of my marketing team. They believe that we should say reef safe all over it, and I'd like to say reef safer. I personally think that we've got the safest line out there, but what does it mean to be reef safe? To me, it means that you are safe for the crustaceans, for coral, for the coral larvae, for the nematodes, for the phytoplankton, for everything out there. Someday, I'm going to test on a whole lot more things to make sure we, are, we do continue to be as safe as we can. But at this stage, we've tested on a few species. How do we know that we're going to be safe for crustaceans? I haven't tested them yet. I think that we are. I haven't tested it yet. So I have, I have a internal moral challenge with the terminology re-safe, but that's probably not the right answer to be, to be giving. Re-safe is not a regulated claim at this stage. There's no certification for what it means to be re-safe. So these really smart people out there in ocean conservation are working on a standard, and I'm encouraging them. I think that's a wonderful thing, and I will apply for it when this real standard is out there that exists. There are some companies that label their products as re-safe based on biodegradability alone. Biodegradability means that a certain product will break down into its parts within a certain period of time. It can be 30 days to 90 days. So ultimately, biodegradable means that within a couple months, it will break down into its components. My question on that is what will happen or what can happen during that time where it's breaking down? We've seen that some ingredients like DEET, for example, 
meat breaks down into components that are even more toxic than meat itself during that biodegradation process, even though it is ultimately biodegradable. So I don't believe that the standard reef safe and biodegradable are equal to each other. And there are some people that do believe that it is. In my opinion, if you're not even allowing yourself to call your products reef safe and you're doing research that no one has ever done, um, you know, on corals and fish, then any product that says reef safe, I'm not going to really trust that it is. So I appreciate that you are conscious of that and you really don't want to make any claims that aren't true because there's really no standard to set. It's kind of like this false term. It's kind of like when you see on every packaging now in the grocery store that everything is natural. What does it doesn't mean anything, basically. So I appreciate you clearing that up for me and for listeners. And so kind of with that, with the fact that what you're creating, the testing that you're doing, the research behind your products, it's really so new and so different from what most other sunscreen and skincare product companies are doing. Can you talk about the importance of educating consumers to this new way of thinking and creating these products? How important is that? It is so important, Allison. There's some people out there that will say, yeah, you're sunscreen. Really? You're going to pay attention to what sunscreen you're using when you're playing in the waters. There's so many bigger issues. When you talk about climate change and overpopulation and things like that, yes, those are so critical to our ocean conservation. But I look at the, what are smaller things? What are the things that we can change in our day-to-day life? Disposable glass bottles. I mean, how many of us are now carrying around our hydro flasks and our, our reusable bottles? How many of us are rejecting plastic straws? How many of us are rejecting plastic utensils? That's all wonderful. I use sunscreen in a very similar way. Sunscreen, we've proven that the amount of chemical sunscreen that is in our waters is affecting our oceans. It's such an easy thing to choose to make a difference on. It's so easy to say, you know what, I'm playing in the ocean today. I'm going to wear my UPF clothing. I'm going to wear a rash guard. And on my face, I'm going to use a mineral sunscreen. On my areas that are exposed, I'm going to protect myself eco-consciously. It's something that we can all do to make a difference in our own lives, in our own worlds, that add up. The the drops in the bucket add up to a whole lot of drops in, in a whole lot of buckets, right? It's important for the consumers to demand these changes. Oxybenzone should not be allowed in our waters. It should not be allowed in sunscreens that are being used in our dive boats, our snorkel boats, and our paddle trips. And the only way that's going to change is by the consumers being aware and saying, I don't want to use them. Just like single-use plastics, and I think that's a great way to, you know, relate the two. On that note, I think it's absolutely amazing that your products, they come in what looks like plastic packaging, but it's actually made from sugarcane resin. Can you explain how you came up with that and how that works? I mean, why don't more companies make packaging from sugarcane resin? Because it looks just like plastic, but... It's plant-based, which is amazing. Exactly. There is a moving trend towards it. You're finding it more and more in the health food stores. The reason more companies aren't using it is because the demand isn't great enough to drive the cost down to be comparable to the typical petroleum-based plastics. So the more of us that use it, obviously, the, the lower the cost will become for the production and manufacturing side of it. So when we were developing the product line, I was looking at what packaging options were available that would hold up, that had the stability 
biodegradable packaging would be wonderful, but that'd be a really hard thing to use in a sunscreen that we're going to throw in our dive bags or in our snorkel bags, right? You don't want it to biodegrade before we're ready to toss it away. So we looked at glass. Well, glass isn't a great option because it's heavy and it can break and we don't want to leave that behind. And I found the sugarcane resin tubes and was very excited about that. They have a negative carbon footprint. They're made from the sugarcane waste, um, the bagasse, and the entire process through the manufacturing, they reharvest the electricity. They're very conscientious. And I was, I was delighted to be able to support a company that could provide that packaging for us, even though it's more than twice the cost of buying a typical petroleum-based tube. I felt it was worth it. Wow. Well, I appreciate that uh, very much so, and I think listeners will as well. So on that note, how can listeners obtain Stream to Sea sunscreen? What are the best ways for them to purchase it, to make those better decisions? Well, of course, I would love for the consumer to go into their local health food store or dive center or outdoor retailer and ask for it because that helps us grow. And that's really how we've been growing so quickly is by the consumers requesting us out there in the marketplace. You can also go onto our website, streamtosea.com. All of our products are there, of course. And we are available on Amazon as well. One thing that I do want to point out to people, it's more than just sunscreen. Uh, when we were talking about the formulations, why something is good for us versus good for the environment, the first product that I tested, Allison, was the shampoo. And I don't remember if I told you about that, but I formulated this beautiful shampoo that would have held up to the highest natural standards. And that was the first product that I sent off for aquatic toxicity testing. And I killed every fish in the tank. I mean, literally, I had 100% mortality on this beautiful product that I was so proud of. And that really opened my eyes to just because something is okay or just because something is safe for us doesn't mean that it's safe for the environment. So I think it's really important to look for products that are proven to be safe for our aquatic environment when you're using them in that atmosphere. I mean, if you're going out camping or hiking or boating, it's, it's important to be using these products out there. And so on that note, we've been talking mostly about the Stream to Sea sunscreen, but you have a whole line of products that are really amazing. Do you want to share with listeners what some of those other products are? Absolutely. So when we were developing this line, we were looking at the active individual, the person that might be hanging out on a boat for a week or camping or hiking, as well as just who's conscious of what they're using in their everyday lives. So we really wanted a broad line that would be able to cover most of our needs. So we've got a three-in-one conditioning shampoo and body wash. It's a really great, easy product to just throw in your bag, and it is safe for environment as well. We've done all of the testing on that product, too. The leave-in conditioner is one of my personal favorite products. That one is great if you don't have a freshwater rinse. Of course, if you do, by all means, utilize it. But if you don't, if you come out of the salt water and your hair is a, a nappy mess like mine would be, you can throw a little bit of that in. It's a nice little styling aid. It's safe for you and it's safe for waters. So we also have a sun and sting gel, which I formulated to replicate kind of the protective layer that's on coral itself. This is wonderful for an after sun gel. If you get burned, it's very soothing, very cooling, but it's also great for any of the stinging cells that are in the waters. If you get hit with fire coral or if you get hit with jellyfish, it's very cooling, very soothing to the skin, and it works really quickly. It's also great for, like, fire ants here in Florida or mosquito bites. Um, let's see what else we have. We have a nourishing body lotion, which was related to help counter the damaging effects of the sun. We're 
water babies and sun babies and very active individuals. So the sun does take its toll, even using our sunscreen. So it has a lot of added antioxidants and nutrients and some coconut oil and some different emollients. So it's a very clean, gentle formula that is, again, safe for you and safe for the environment. That's kind of my resounding theme, right? And a couple of lip mm-hmm. balms. So that's the product line. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, for listeners, I will be linking to the stream to see website, stream2c.com. That's with the number two. Uh, when I post this podcast episode, I will link to that so you guys can visit stream to see to learn more about all the products that Autumn just mentioned and the research behind them. And for anyone that has been inspired to purchase some stream to see products, when you visit their website, you can actually get a 10% discount if you use the promo code Ocean Allison. That's one word. Ocean Allison, you guys will get a 10% discount. And I will also be linking to these stream to see Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts. You guys can give them a follow and follow along with Autumn and everything that she's doing as the founder of this amazing company. So Autumn, I want to thank you for all the positive change that you're creating for the ocean. Honestly, I absolutely love stream to see and uh, I have been using the products and I love them and i very much so appreciate that you are creating them. And I also want to thank you for being on the show today. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much, Allison. I'm, I'm grateful for what you're doing to help educate all of your followers on these wonderful issues that are going on in our oceans. Thank you. You just heard Autumn Blum, founder of stream to see sunscreen and body care products that are safe for you as well as the ocean. To learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, visit my website at alisonrandolph.com and tune into next week's episode to hear another conversation between me and someone creating positive change for the ocean.